So I'm going to move right into this story. Mr. Ennis Cantor, we've spoken about him before. Ennis Cantor Freedom, the discredited former NBA player now because he has been cut. And I give a huge applause to all the teams that finally did what was necessary, not for political reasons, but purely because he has nothing left in the tank. And he really doesn't have any value to any team. I'm a big Celtics fan, so he was really a big nothing burger in that area for me. But he's been cut. And now his decision to speak at the Conservative Political Action Committee, the huge GOP super PAC that holds regular conferences to spout off at the mouth their reactionary imperialist agenda. Uh, They uh, invited him to speak and he had accepted for later this month. But now he is no longer going to speak because, and I'm going to share this, he needs to focus on NBA things. He needs to figure out his MBA career. So here we go. Mr. Ennis Cantor is no longer going to be speaking at this conference. Let me just scroll up to the right place. So Ennis Cantor Freedom pulls out of CPAC. I need to figure out this MBA stuff first. (laughs) Yeah, he really does. He's been wasting a lot of his a lot of our energy, honestly. I mean, it's just pure political opportunism for him. You know, and his cancer freedom, we're talking about the Beijing 2022 Olympics. He really kicked off the intense anti-China propaganda campaign several months ago through these tweets about China's so-called human rights violations, which have all been debunked already. But Ennis Cantor freedom, well, Ennis Cantor then decided to make this whole shoe line he decided to really jump on this bandwagon. And I think with political help, right? He had already been hobnobbing with Marco Rubio, with John Bolton, with the GOP. Uh, He basically was regurgitating Mike Pompeo's talking points at the close. Um, Well, Trump was already done, but he was basically repeating the Trump administration, Mike Pompeo's talking points on China, which Biden has very willfully adopted. But nonetheless, this is where Ennis Cantor Freedom is at. He has spent the last several months promoting this propaganda about China leading up into the Olympics, has jumped on the human rights atrocity propaganda campaign. He has been rubbing shoulders with all of the National Endowment for Democracies sponsored organizations, which are using millions of U.S. tax dollars to promote anti-China rhetoric and to smear China as some sort of human rights catastrophe. So here he is. You know, he changed his name to Freedom. And so this is just going over what he's done. He's called out LeBron James for supposedly towing China's line. And here's just some of the disgusting things that Mediate is covering. But last week, the Swedish, born, the Swiss-born Turkish-American was confirmed as a speaker for this year's CPAC. So here you go. He was going to go to Florida, 
rub shoulders with the far right in the United States. And now the Rockets, after the trade deadline, they picked him up and they cut him. So he is no longer in the NBA. Uh, and given how he was playing on the Celtics, the few minutes he was receiving, I don't think he's really going to be picked up and play any real significant minutes for the rest of the year. So Heavy reported some in the league shared doubts after Freedom was waived that he'd be able to land another contract in the NBA. Freedom now seems to be highlighting the uncertainty over whether he will get another NBA job by the fact that he has been outspoken on a number of issues. He has been retweeting comments from conservative legislators who argue he is being punished for his stances against the government in China, which is a ridiculous, a ridiculous assertion for so many reasons. But I don't know if anyone else signs it. Maybe not. I think maybe from a basketball standpoint, it's really questionable. I'm not sure if any of the staff of the other stuff will even come into play. I don't think he won't get a job because of anything he's said or done. I think he just doesn't guard and the game is changing. He plays a lot older than he really is. So I think that's more accurate. That's actually incredibly accurate about Mr. Ennis Cantor. Uh, so, <laughs> so John Smith. Okay. I see you out here. Uh, so yeah, Ennis Cantor. He is trying to, and he hasn't expressed this, but his friends on the far right have expressed this, that he's a victim of persecution, speaking out against China. But that's ridiculous, given what this GM is saying, which is wholly accurate. And his Cantor has never been able to play defense, and this is just some basketball talk, never has been able to play defense. But he had some offensive talent. He could offensive rebound with the best of them, and that made him useful. Well, when that started to change, when those skills started to diminish his effectiveness on the offensive end, well, his defense just became even more of a liability. He really doesn't move his feet on defense. He gets killed. And after the Celtics let him go, they've been on fire. This has been a pattern throughout Ennis Cantor's career where it seems like teams are better off without him. So that's essentially who Ennis Cantor is. He's a poor basketball player, and he was also a poor pawn in this broader imperialist front against China. He was not effective, right? I think that the only reason why he was even taken seriously was because the corporate media, especially Fox News, but really across the gambit, gave him attention. The Boston Celtics had this, like, a, at the TD Garden, they had this like, thank you, almost kind of, he got a standing ovation for his stand. I mean, that's how you, you know Boston is just that reactionary. Where I'm from is when they'll praise someone as sorry as Annis Cantor. But nonetheless, this is where he's at. And, you know, honestly, he had it coming. I mean, think about this, guys. If you, let's take the political issue as true. Right, that he is being persecuted because he is slamming uh, China, which I don't think has any truth to it. But let's say it is true. Think about what it means to denigrate and insult 300 million people who consume basketball in China, who are interested in basketball, 
who wants more interaction with the NBA. They want, they love the NBA. They love NBA players. They follow it religiously. What does it mean for the NBA to be put in this position where you have one of your worst players in the NBA, one of your most mediocre players in the NBA, become the face of an anti-China campaign that is absolutely nothing to bring to the NBA, but certainly it really doesn't bring anything to anybody except for the military-industrial complex and except for this very narrow set of interests, right? So when you think about Ennis Cantor's allies crying persecution here, you have to think about, well, where else would it be okay, especially for a real worker, right? Forget about the NBA players, him, even him making millions, literally for being poor at his job. But think about workers. Are workers able to become the face of a propaganda, imperialist propaganda campaign and, and get away with that? Maybe. Maybe it would be useful. But I think what's important here is that Ennis Cantor really made the bed he's laying in. He wanted to take advantage of this moment, this new Cold War moment, and make a political career for himself. That seems farther and farther down the road. It doesn't seem like what he did really landed with anyone outside of the far right and his friends and buddies in the ruling class who were using him for those ends, it didn't seem like it really landed. No one really took him seriously. LeBron James didn't even look him in the face when they played each other. It was an incredible scene. He isn't big business for the NBA. And honestly, he isn't big business for the establishment. He's just a pawn. And now he's being played like one. And this is honestly the, the perfect case of you reap what you sow here. And so he's not going to speak at CPAC, and no one is going to miss it. No one's going to cry about it, right? It's a quote Eileen Gu. You know, no one's going to cry about this because Ennis Cantor was a poor defender. And as John Smith says here, you're right, the Celtics are red hot, and part of it is their defense is incredible now. And ever since they stopped playing Ennis Cantor, their defense has gotten much better. Not to say that he's the only factor there, but it is one of those factors if we're just talking purely basketball, purely personnel. So that's where we're at with Ennis Cantor. Honestly, I'm glad he's not in the NBA. I know that he isn't going to stop his anti-China crusade, however, because there's always going to be opportunities. Beijing 2022 is happening, and we're going to get into that in a minute, but as Cantor, right, he represents, really, he personifies everything that this anti-China crusade is all about. The propaganda, number one, right, that China is a genocidaire, that it is committing genocide in Xinjiang, that it is repressing Hong Kong, that it is still, this talking point came up for Ennis Cantor, that Tibet is under some horrific regime of oppression. All of these things have been deconstructed and debunked. I've done it here. 
talking about the feudal conditions of people in Tibet prior to the Chinese Revolution, talking about how Xinjiang's life conditions of life have improved from life expectancy to just overall population to poverty alleviation, right? We can go on and on and on. Hong Kong, another situation where I interviewed David West and I showed through our joint analysis that Hong Kong actually was a colony of the British Empire. And it was given back to China in 1997, rightfully so, after decades and decades of negotiations and struggles. And essentially, that is what the imperialists wanted to go back to. And so they sponsored these protests through these organizations, through the NED, that wreaked havoc for a good several months to a year, uh, but also in other periods, like in the 2014 Umbrella Movement, like in 2003, right? All these moments where the NED-funded organizations wreaked havoc in Hong Kong to try to separate it or build it, build up the conditions to separate it from China. That has failed, and China came in with its national security law and really honestly cleaned things up, but not in the way that people think. Not, oh, they didn't come in and literally sweep things up, literally like you know repress people in hong kong actually what they did was they finally enforced a key part of the basic law and the basic law which said that territorial integrity and sovereignty of china's principle and that hong kong does need a national security law in order to enforce that and it was never and it was never done until now 2019 so now it's being done and there's more peace in hong kong and a lot of these folks like joshua wong and jimmy lai these puppets of the west they have been arrested not in a lot of ways not because of the protests but because of other crimes that they've committed in the past and it's it's basically over and so all of this human rights propaganda is part of it and it doesn't even have to be true. It just has to smear China. And then you go into the geopolitical part of the, which is related to the propaganda in that by continuing to bash China and his cancer was trying to profit from this. It's really fueling the military industrial complex. It's really fueling the big business interests that want to see China contained. It helps shape public opinion. So people think that China is their enemy. And that's what's happened, all right? The human rights atrocity propaganda is probably one of the hugest elements of shaping public opinion and getting people to think that China is their enemy. And now we have majorities of people in the United States, somewhere between two-thirds and four-fifths of people in the United States. And the same goes for Europe that believe China is not only their biggest enemy, but also uh, deserving of real punishment right you had lots of people polling in favor of an invasion of taiwan which just goes to show how much and how effective this warmongering is so that's what ennis Cantor was all about but we don't need to stay on him for too long because it seems like his day in the sun has set and he will have to figure out this MBA stuff, which he probably should have been doing all along, but it's attractive. It really is attractive to go after China because there's a lot of money pouring in. 
I analyzed in a prior article that the money that was being thrown around in legislation, like the uh, Innovation and Competition Act, now the Competes Act, is hundreds of millions of dollars that would be going to the anti-China propaganda apparatus, like the U.S. Agency for Global Media. I surmised that someone like Anna Cantor was looking for that money. It's a lot easier to do that than play basketball. Basketball is actually pretty grueling for the body. It's a lot of labor. It's a lot of labor time. 82-game season, big chunk of the year where it's not a typical schedule. It's not like you're going 9 to 5. No, you're bas- you're traveling, you're on. It's it's hard work. So, for someone like Ennis Cantor who doesn't have many prospects within the game anymore, it makes a lot of sense that given his background of with Fatulo Galen and the reactionary Gulenist movement in Turkey, given his connections there, it makes sense, right, that anti-Palestinian, far-right reactionary ideology led by Fatullah Gulen, a former CIA asset. Well, I think he's current CIA asset, but he's an asset nonetheless of the war machine. Given all of that, it makes sense that he would be so enthusiastic to jump on this bandwagon. So as you're 